Welcome to Think and Reimagined, produced by Live Abundantly. Live Abundantly is committed to justice, equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion for the creation of a global society which respects the rights and well-being of all citizens. We invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com to support our initiatives for women, youth and children. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for For a better better global society. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Thinking Reimagined live podcast recording. I am Nifemi Ogunsoya. And it's um, World Day Against Trafficking in Persons and we're live on Facebook. Uh, this year's theme for the World Day Against Trafficking in Persons um, somehow turns attention to the importance of listening and learning from survivors of human trafficking. And we have three of them joining us on this episode, Chilean Azu shared with us earlier about how she was tricked by her family members in France and got stuck in transit. Jerry Adelu, in that video you just saw, was doing well as a dry cleaner in a dose state, sold everything he had um, to see greener pasture in Europe. Unfortunately, he didn't get there. He got stuck in Libya. Toby Bolahon's experience is quite daunting. His boat capsized in the Mediterranean Sea, and all of them join us on this episode. Um, we know that survivors are key actors in the fight against human trafficking. In fact, they play a crucial role in establishing effective measures to prevent this crime. Well, we 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 are looking even beyond that on this episode. We're talking about the rehabilitation as well as reintegration post-human trafficking. And Executive Director Liva Bonnetly, Dr. Ama, also joins us on this one. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. Um, don't forget that um, I love everyone on Zoom to put on their video. I need to see your faces, if that's cool with you. Just like you can see mine. I need to see your faces. And shout out to everyone joining us on Facebook. Please, you're free to join, um, to drop your comments as well as your questions. For sure that we're going to cater to them in the course of the conversation. Uh, let me begin with Jerry. Jerry, when was it that this happened? Uh, since when have you been back in Nigeria, Jerry? So this uh, happened in um, Edo State, Nigeria, in the year... Um, November 6, 2015. 2015? So, 2015 yes, was when you left the shores of the country for Libya. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's um, that's um, five to six years ago. Talk to us about okay. how you've been faring. Okay, what year, what year did you return to Nigeria? So I came back 2018, December 10. Wow. So you spent three years in Libya? Yes, exactly. How long did the trip take? The trip was supposed to take two weeks, as promised by my soul, you know, my almighty um, customer. You know, so 
little do we know that it's going to take longer time than expected because he didn't tell me what the hurdles that's going to be on the road like we are going to pass through the Sahara Desert and the Mediterranean Sea and then even pass through Libya even after that time I was aware that they were fighting in Libya but I was just thinking because he's a friend and from the story he's a successful friend or a successful customer so there's a better way that he's going to you know bypass for me to get to here <clears throat> I was actually heading to so but I didn't know that that we are still at, we are still going to pass through that same shores of Libya but I really see you know the other side of life you know when when we are in Nigeria yeah, we are seeing life from another perspective like you know everything is where you know God is going to make a way just also God will bless you so but like I used to say I've not actually seen that get to life you know somebody passed through pain because you want to you know expire in life you want to go far in life or you want to get in a pressure I, I didn't even imagine that that kind of thing can happen so you know getting into that libya changed the whole story like the whole story was not being real because what he promised me before was different from what i was saying at that point i could not go back because where i was going to was tougher you know where i was coming from via the red side that i was very tough for me to like okay let me go change my mind and say i'm not going again let me go back so, but as at, when I was in Libya, a lot of things was just coming to my mind because I saw a lot of persons there, a lot of Nigerians there. This Nigerian, we are talking, there are over 700, 800 persons per camp. When I mean per camp, per, per tranquate, you know. And these people, they have it in different sections in Libya. So, some persons can be in, for example, Ikrodu, another person will be in My 12. Another Hold on, Jerry. This yeah. camps you're talking about, are they government prisons? No, they are not government prisons. They are they are they are Nigerians prisons. The people who are you know who are in charge of that prisons are Nigerians like you and I, who are actually holding people captive in Libya. Oh, the so human traffickers. Yes, it's not the it's not the Libyans. It's not the Libyan citizens. That are actually you know trapping people in libya they are the nigerians who they transfer us to via that transit that normally keeps us in that kind of uh, situation so that that's the, how they make their money so that they can be able, we can be able to you from back home so i have heard you tell this story several times really. jerry and it still gives me the cheese each time i each time i hear it but i want us to talk about life after libya particularly when you returned to Nigeria in 2018, I believe with the help of IOM and other government agencies, am I right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right. So what has the experience been for you? You used to run a dry cleaning uh, firm prior 2015. What was the reintegration process like for you and how are you faring right now? So, uh... If me coming back home was another big issue for me because mm-hmm. people that knew that I traveled when I traveled, when they when I came back, they don't even want to know if I actually traveled the right way. What was on their mind was like, This guy I traveled, bros, you must buy me a drink. Uh, what did you bring from abroad? You understand? And in my own section that time, everybody would say, ah, Bros, it has been longer. I saw you, uh, you have to buy me a drink. Uh, you have to, what did you bring from abroad? But the stigma was 
was there because some people that know that I went to Libya, the stigma was there. Some confessions were like, please don't play, we don't, uh, we are not in the same, uh, we are no longer in the same category. Some persons that I left before I traveled, you know, coming back after three years, they passed the level where I left them, you know, they are in another level. So it was difficult for me to, 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 to be reintegrated into the system back again. So thank God for how Wemu gave us a business idea. Okay, what do you want to do? Okay, so I told them I want to do cooking gas ancestries and I still want to do my laundry. And they helped me, you know, getting back to the society. So, but during the coronavirus, there was a challenge. People were no longer going to work. People were no longer ironing their clothes. So the business was going up and down. There we came together as a group. And so, okay, let's form an organization called Migrant Voice. So that Mangan Voice is what we've been doing for a very long time now, since that 2018 date, where we sensitize people on the dangers of irregular migration and human trafficking, so that we we'll use our own experience to tell them that the land is not as greener as they think over there, like they say. You know, coming back home is difficult, but what can you do in your quota when everything is not working as you want it to work in your own level? So presently now, what we are doing is that we are advocating for human trafficking and irregular migration and as well as child abuse and I learned that from my doctor Dr. Ama because he likes children and we are we are our children and we also want to do the best part that we can do for society in Nigeria. I'm going to get back to you in a bit. Chilean I also want you to stand by. I'll be talking to you shortly. But let's talk about um, post-rescue trauma. And let me bring in Dr. Amma in very quickly to pretty much understand what happens, um, the mental health implication for Nigerians who have been the victim of irregular migration and in some cases human trafficking. It's one thing to have them return to Nigeria, but it's a totally different ballgame mentality to have them rehabilitated. Dr. Hama, what do you think, would you say that um, we're, we're doing enough, you know, because the challenge as we know it is that I stumbled on the statistics earlier that close to 50% of Nigerian youths are interested in traveling abroad. The story we hear is that those of us who are here are not even well taken care of, <laughs> let alone those who have who have tried to run away and they have returned home. Talk to us about your experience with um, these returnees and do you think that we have a working infrastructure to better rehabilitate them and have them reintegrated into the society? Um, Nifemi and of course to all the um, youth members with us today, thank you for joining us on this day because as you know, it is very important for us to get the awareness um, out there on the consequences of um, human trafficking and irregular migration. Um, I'm so glad that we're focusing today on the issue of rehabilitation and reintegration, because that is very critical for those who have left Nigeria on the, those um, premises and then returned. And to be honest with you, on a global scale, we, we, we really need to expand it to a global scale because many of these experiences are very similar. 
Um, in terms of rehabilitation, we're talking about people being able to live with the lives and the experiences we have tried to leave Nigeria irregularly or via um, human trafficking means. Um, and of course, with, re with reintegration, we're talking about the, act the acts of bringing them back, re-socializing them in the community, supporting them in terms of getting the mental health support, um, getting jobs, having housing, and that full integration into society. Um, one of the things that makes today really poignant is that we're hearing directly from these three young people about their experiences. And it is hoped that by sharing their experiences, they deter others from taking on these kinds of actions. But what is also important is to look at what steps are being taken to ensure that their reintegration and rehabilitation is, um, is um, full course and long-term. Very often the measures that are provided are very short-term. You take this course and hopefully you have the means to find a job or you take this step in terms of having some housing, but you have to learn the skill sets that you need to now come back. The biggest issue, as you have mentioned, is the traumatic experience and the stigma that follows with it. I am sure that they will all share with you that to some extent they have been stigmatized by these experiences. And what makes it even sadder is the fact that those who took them on this journey are friends, family members, um, trusted ones, people that they trusted and they looked up to are the ones who put them on this course of action. Of course, they also take some responsibility for going along with what was presented to them. But we're really focused on taking actionable steps that are long-term and that are victim-centered. Very often we come up with plans and programs, but we're not asking the victims, what exactly are you experiencing? And how do we support you in the reintegration and rehabilitation process? And how much time do we give them for this? Because you can't expect that somebody who comes back today in three months is completely rehabilitated, doesn't need any more support. It needs to be a little bit more long-term. We need to continue to follow up with them. And I do not believe that in this particular society that the psychological support, the therapy, the coaching is made available. And that is a critical point and critical aspect of being reintegrated or rehabilitated into your community or your society. I'm going to stop for now because really the focus is on the victims and I thank them again for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Ama. And thank you to Jerry, Chilean. Now let me get a thought name now. Toby, thank you so much for um, finding time to share your story with us. All right, let me come to Chilean very quickly. Um, we heard Jerry earlier talk about the stigma that he encountered. I'm, I'm sure it was very broke when he returned, but there were people who still wanted him to drop some money. And um, of course, um, there's also the issue of um, post-rescue trauma. What is your experience in this light, Chilean? And how has um, 
returning to Nigeria, how has it worked out for you? Yeah. Okay, so um, when I came back 2018, the um, first thing was the stigma started with the community because um, where I come from in Delta State, it's not like too many people don't actually travel like that, it was lovely. But then um, I think somehow someone got to know that I traveled and then started telling people about it. Even before I got back, most of my friends were no longer in the house because my mom told me some of my cousins came around and um, they took those things. So um, the way they were looking at me, you could tell that there was something on their mind. There were just a few of them who someone started to ask what the story was like, what did you go through, what did you experience, just few. But the rest of them didn't have that um, courage to actually ask me. But then the major stigma I experienced was from media houses and from some people I could have um, trusted as MTA because the kind of interviews I got, um, there are times you actually don't want to share certain things, but these people who spoke and they would want you to share those things. And even if it don't even happen to you, they don't seem to believe. Thailand, but they have this um, one-sided story. Everybody um, who is a victim of human trafficking is a prostitute. That was the label. It was hard for me to kind of tell them I didn't experience that yet. Where I was, it was different, but no one would believe that. I was in a radio house when they were I had already shared my story, we were already talking, and then the lady asked me, um, everyone, every lady I've met who went through that journey talked about being this, were you this? That question, the way she even asked it was more like, okay, so I don't have a choice. It means I can't say I wasn't this, you know? I don't want to talk about it because I wasn't even here that I've been. I don't want to talk about most of the things that happened. But the way the media houses were acting, it meant they really had a mindset, they had thoughts. So the, the kind of stigma we experienced was basically from media houses, especially for um, females, from media houses and from um, NGOs who really wanted the story. They didn't go about it the right way. So it ended, it ended up making me think that the only thing that I was used to was substitution. Because they didn't treat it in such a way that you could even feel like, okay, yes, this is what most of the ladies experience. This is how it is. But then I'm, I'm comfortable sharing with you because I know that my story can actually help someone out there, not to look at it. But that's not the reason why they are asking. So it hurts. To know that the only thing they think about ladies who um, are trafficked victims is prostitution. And for me, even if you want to tell that kind of thing, you know it's not their will. They are forced to do it. So you don't make it look like it is their will. This is what they wanted as victims. So you are tagging them names while trying to um, act like you're saving lives. So all of that didn't actually help me come out fully, except with IOM, because IOM helped me understand that if you're not comfortable sharing this, you can talk about this until you're comfortable sharing everything that has happened to you. So I think it was only IOM and then your organization, Live Abundantly, that didn't really um, 
wants me to start talking about things I wasn't comfortable with during interviews. Thank you. On behalf of the terrible journalists who ask you terrible questions, we are sorry. <laughs> um, what year did you return, Julian? I spent uh, 2018. Um, you spent how many years there? 2017 December. I left 2017 June. I came back 2017 December. So it was more like a six month journey. I was stuck in transit. Okay, okay. Um, so I I listened to your story and you talked about the financial challenges. You know, how you had challenges with school, you had a four month old baby, and you felt that, you know, this person who was in France was a family member and they were so concerned about you, that was why they wanted you over. Now talk to us about life afterwards. That's some three years plus now. How's your baby doing? Have you finished school? What's business like? I'm, yeah, I'm smiling now because my son is four years old now, so he's doing very well. And um, I'm done with school. I'm done with my DSC. I'm awaiting the results. So probably before the end of next month, I should have it. And um, everything has been just good, especially with volunteering, because that actually helps me get better. So I volunteered for um, one of IOM's projects, my grant as messenger. That also helps me start my own, uh, own organization. Because I'm wearing the two shirts, you know, with any phone. So um, it helps me um, decide how to use my stories in past life, rather than just go back, sit back, and keep crying about what happened to me. So I was um, inspired to share, inspired to teach people, inspired to educate people through the uh, migrant as messengers and several other opportunities that um, some of the NGOs, like especially IOM and the organization, are giving me. I want to go to Toby, but let me ask you this very quickly, Chilean. So there are people who return like you, but who are now into the world of crime or who are even trying desperately to return to where they came from. What kind of help do you think that they need now? Perhaps that you got that has given you a totally different story to share. Okay, so thank God for one of IOM's monitoring and evaluation program now that because they asked us certain questions about what we actually need. Um, it's more like I think a lot of them before coming had um, some kind of idea. They didn't really understand what the integration was like. And then at some point, they got it wrong because I made that kind of mistake as well at the very beginning of my reintegration. But then, um, there are ways they can actually get help from IOM, um, especially the ones that need mental health and psychosocial support. So through the monitoring and evaluation pro uh, program of the IOM, they are going to be calling all the numbers that um, the returnees are given when they return, given to family member, so that they can know how they are caring and give them help. And then um, I would also advise returnees, don't, don't keep it to yourself. All right, the reason why most of us get desperate and want to go back or um, are not um, satisfied with what is going on in our life is because we keep everything to ourselves. We don't talk about it. When we have to um, talk, start talking about it, currently IOM has mental health support um, um, working with me, we have with any associations. You can talk to these people. 
so that they can refer you to the organizations that can give you help. You don't just sit down there and um, expect help to come. If people can just know that you're there, expect to come out. And besides, most of them drop wrong names. Like when I came back, we were afraid that the um, federal government was going to punish us, the rumor we heard and all of that. So, so many people didn't use their real name. So it's even difficult for people to reach you. So you have to come out so that they will know you exist. If you don't come out, nobody knows that you have these troubles. So you can even have to start stepping out so that people can see them and give them support. There are a lot of people who want to support you me, but we can even have to come out as well for, for them to get this support. Thank you for sharing, Chilean. I'll be back with you shortly. Let's talk to Toby. Toby is sitting in his office now. I can see the picture of Mr. President behind him. Uh, but um, some years ago, Toby was in a boat that capsized on the Mediterranean, the Mediterranean Sea on his way out of Nigeria. What, what was that experience like, Toby? Um, firstly, I will say a very big thanks to Lep abundantly for having me here. And I will say a very big thank to you as well, the anchor of the program, and also the others, um, people who are here. Um, that year, uh, for my experience on the Mediterranean Sea was, was sadding, was, was, um, was, 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 um, was a trauma, was a problem for me. Because that day, I, I could remember that um, I, was in the, I was in the camp. After I made my journey successfully to the um, to, to to Libya, you know, camp is a place whereby uh, people are waiting. The the is a storage place why they put people, um, hoping to push them through uh, to Italy. And the only means why you can get to that place is to pass through the Mediterranean Sea. That's the only channel for you to to get to Italy via in Libya. So I was I was I was in, I was in my camp daddy and you like, Toby, today uh, we are going to push the okay. Say fine, fine, fine. So I was the last person on the on the boat that day, and we started the journey. So we are going. Uh, firstly, the experience the first experience that day was like I noticed that we were um, we were kidnapped because on the on the on the on the boat. We noticed um, there was other boat that was pursuing us, and that one got to us. And from that boat, they were they dressed like uh, like an armed person, like a um, soldier or something. And one of them just jumped into our boat, and it was like he said, "We should redirect our boat from heading to Italy and back to Libya." What happened? So when we are going with a gun pointed on the um, captain that drove that boat that day. So by the time we were heading to the shore of the sea, so even the the the, the kidnapper noticed that our boat was leaking. So when we noticed that before we could before, so we noticed that before we we will uh, get to the shore, something might have happened. Then he called his people back and he jumped out from the boat to to their boat and they left us. So we said, okay, since they have left, let us go to where we are going. Of course, we have a destination, that is Italy. Nobody wants to go back to Libya again because for you to have gotten to that side of your journey, it was wow. So when we let our boat going, our boat is water was coming in and 
you know, we could not make the journey again. One of the, uh, of course, the, the, the boat, the boat experience is something like, um, like a canopy that they will blow and put some, um, on some, uh, some, uh, some wood inside where you people will sit down and feel comfortable needs. So, and that boat will be stuck with, uh, will be, uh, we have so many passengers stuck with different people, different countries, Ghana and stuff like that. So, ongoing, one of the, one of the, um, both side already uh, capsided and we were the one just holding the other people to come to, um, to the sea. What, um, what saved us that day was because that we have not even got to the, um, to the middle of the sea. I think, I think maybe we have, move um like maybe we have gotten to the middle of the sea all of us will have lost our likes so the first experience that we were firstly kidnapped that little save was because we were redirected back to the shore before we started the journey again so but thank god i made the journey i made the i i, I did not lose my life on that day. i want to be seated here today and be talking of this thank you congratulations to me so you are, you have you have gone to study. You you are now a travel consultant. I believe the drive is to ensure that people exit the country the right way. What has the experience been like for you? How how easy has this journey been since you returned to Nigeria? Welcome. Thank you. Um, before I traveled to um, Libya, I traveled to I, I I I I was in Dubai before I traveled to Dubai legally regularly not irregular you understand so for me to have other experience of traveling to dubai both on tourist and employment coming back to the country before i headed to uh, libya gave me this kind of experiences and i was like when i come so i was in detention camp one day i was like what evil what 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 pushed me to this is mostly the libya journey because i saw thousands of nigerians there that they want to travel loud because of the maybe let's say Nigeria factors or stuff like that. There's nothing bad in it. You want to travel loud. It's a dream. Nothing bad in it. There's no there's no harm in you want to travel abroad, you want to live abroad. It's a dream. But the truth is you should do it rightly. If you do it rightly, there won't be problems for you. Only if you do it irregularly, that is where you have problems. So when I came back 2017, that year, I have um, HL in accountancy. So I firstly work um, in a retail company, which I worked there as an accountant. So with the accountant, I was able to save um, a little money. Then uh, with that, I I went for a travel um, a travel courses. I was, um, there was this a company, a very big company in Lagos. Their travel company is owned by one of the famous people in Nigeria. So I went there for like six months to, to study how this is to be done. Um, travel assistant, ticketing, um, hotel accommodations, um, um, I, I, everything that comes to it uh, has to do with travel. So in that process, I was able to apply for major courses, um, stage one and two, for me to be able to be a certified traveler consultant. And since that date, I've been able to go wide. I have um, testimony of people that have traveled to, through me. One thing I do is say, I don't promise people visa. I don't tell you, okay, come, your visa is sure, because I'm not embassy. That is why I try to distinguish myself between a travel agent and a travel consultant. The word consultant means you want to, you want me to do your case. So then I do it for you. 
you you get your visa fine so i even have an indemnity form whether you, you want to come with me i'll have you to sign this form for you to see i don't promise you a visa i only want to i uh, do for you visa advisory and that's how it has been done currently i have a business website that people can go there and see what i do and see um testimony and see people who have traveled through me thank you do you still nurse the italy dream do you still want Foreign. to go to italy um of course yes of course yes it's not like um, i i still want to travel abroad it might not be italy it might be different country but just for uh maybe visiting because what i'm doing right now I've, i'm saying that I've, 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 i'm saving lives and also this is this is this is a dream come true for me because i i create employment for myself maybe i want to travel abroad because i want to go and work i want to the greener pastures and stuff like that but i i, I have it right now in nigeria the greener pasture i want to go and find in italy i have it here and i'm doing it legally but there's nothing stopping me like I, I have a dream to travel abroad possibly maybe with my wife and children let's just go for vacation you know adventures and stuff like that travel is education absolutely it is but please this time don't go through the mediterranean sea of course i mean that don't go through libya <laughs> <laughs> it's all right so i'll get back to toby chile and uh jerry in a bit Dr. Ama, kudos to live abundantly um, for this um, very special one. Um, the Victims' Voices Lead the Way is the theme for the UN theme, UN's theme for this year's World Day Against Trafficking in Persons. And there is no doubt, no other person can tell it the way we've heard these three people talk to us on this episode. been listening to thinking reimagined changing the mindset for a better global society let's quickly talk about the nigerian dream you know on a lighter note they say the nigerian dream is traveling out of nigeria i mean taking out of the country 50% of nigerian youths want to live outside nigeria isn't that shocking and i'm asking dr ama because Dr. Ama has lived outside Nigeria. You know, I believe that um, she's even a citizen of another country. Talk to us about what inspired you to return home. Because um, when you have this conversation with young people, what they say is, ah, most of the people who are doing well are those who have gone out and then they brought, they brought pounds back to Nigeria to start things like Dr. Ama has done. So quickly talk to us, Dr. Amma, about this shocking revelation and its implication on the country. Um, kudos to all the people on here today who were sharing this, the stories, because it takes great courage to speak openly about your experience. And yet you're, in, you're impacting the lives of others and you're inspiring others to recognize that the greener pastures do exist in Nigeria. It just needs people, it just needs a little bit nurturing and support and understanding from the larger community. What is shocking about human trafficking is the number of people it affects globally. The estimate is 40 million. That's an estimate. And the reason we don't have the full number is because 
there is no data. It's illegal human trafficking. It is irregular migration. What is most concerning is the amount of money that's being funneled through this cartel of human trafficking. $250 billion. Share this statistic because we don't have the full statistics or any form of statistic that really shows us or tells us what is going on for the Nigerian youth. And we say the youth because they're the ones who are absolutely disenfranchised right now. When you look at the average age of Nigerians, they're really the youth, right? The under 35, between 25 and 35. They're the ones, as all of these young people have indicated, who have been to university or were in university and for financial reasons or others could just not carry on. And so we come back to the issue of the situation in the country. We know that there's insecurity. We know that there's poverty. We know that there are very few jobs. We know that even the infrastructure, when I talk about infrastructure, I am not talking about roads. I'm talking about water, electricity, health, education. That is the infrastructure that we need to change the society, to develop the society. It just does not exist. There is no funding. As I listened to all of them speaking, they kept going back to IOM, the International Organization for Migration. That is funded by the EU and other countries. It is not a Nigerian organization. And so the, the comment or my comments come back to what is Nigeria doing to support the youth, the disenfranchised citizens of this country? If we're going to tackle this problem, there needs to be funding for education. There need to be services, social services. There needs to be education. There needs to be social education where we're talking about the ills of illegal, sorry, irregular migration as well as human trafficking. These are the poignant questions that we need to ask ourselves, the larger society, government, private organizations. Chilean eluded that very often, you know, the questions or the push was really to see if the person, if the female had been a prostitute. Here is the truth. Human trafficking takes many forms. Yes, a vast amount of it is on sexual exploitation, but we're talking about labor, forced labor. We're talking about organ sales. And as a matter of fact, human trafficking permeates the corporate world in terms of the labor that they have in companies. So it's a wider, it's a wider um, lens that has to be used to dissect um, irregular migration, human trafficking, and then to understand, bringing this back, the situation in Nigeria. If you are a young person, an educated young person, a vibrant young person who wants a future and you don't feel that you're getting it in your home country, of course you're going to begin to look for greener pastures. The question is, what is the cost for you to leave saying that you should not go elsewhere for greener pastures? It is the process that they're going through that puts them at risk and it is that that is detrimental to their well-being, physical well-being, mental well-being. Those are the things that are most important. 
So um, the fact that I am a global citizen and the fact that I have come to Nigeria to do my work is because I, like many people, can see that there is a need to address these situations, the social situations that are affecting the lives of young people, the lives of the future. The children are of the future, the youth are the next generation. And we need to make sure that we provide the funding, the services, the education, the skills acquisition, the awareness that is necessary to put them on the right path so that we are not having these kinds of conversations five, 10 years from now. Thank you. I certainly honest that we will be having them for time to come. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Amma. I'm going to run another session through our special guests as we begin to run, uh, wrap up this episode of the Thinking Ring Margin podcast on the occasion of the uh, World's Day against the World Day against trafficking in persons. I'm going to ask Dune if there are any questions from viewers online or the journalists who have joined us. Uh, you can least send it to me as a message on the Zoom platform. Jerry, let me get back to you once more. It's always exciting okay. to see you and hear you talk about your experience and the great work you are doing. Uh, we are told that in your hands and the, in the hands of folks like Chilean and Toby uh, lies the possibility of ensuring that what has happened to you uh, does not happen to more Nigerians. Dr. Amma mentioned some 14 million people and that's just a very rough and inaccurate estimate of victims of human trafficking. I'm so Talk sorry. Four, about well, 14 million globally. 14 million. 14 million globally. Yes. And that's a huge number, a very huge number. That's, that's, um, that's like a nation, you know, a republic of people. So, Jerry, quickly talk to us about um, what you think, what you see that is still good about this country. So I've heard people, you know, talk about security, the issue of insecurity, you know, the bad economy, the high cost of living. But now in Nigeria, we're still there now. Maybe we're having the Zoom meeting and we're talking and, you know, we're doing business. Toby is now a travel consultant. Chilean is doing very, she's, she's done with school and all of that. Are there, are there opportunities, you know? Are there things that perhaps many young people are still not seeing about this country? What do you consider to be the silver lining in our dark cloud? Thank you very much, Mr. Nifemi. The truth is, there is no place like home. And we still have 1,001 opportunities here in Nigeria. Like we always say, Nigeria is not good, Nigeria is not good, Nigeria is not good. Nobody is eating stone in this country. Nobody is drinking urine in this country for breakfast or for lunch or for something. But if you find yourself in that kind of situation that we find ourselves back then, you have no choice to take these things as new. So Nigerians, um, the truth of the matter is nobody wants to work. 
Like I still have my laundry from here in Lagos, even when I came back. And as I speak to you now, Nifemi, there is no boy that wants to work and say, okay, let me come and stay with you as a boy to learn dry cleaning or to learn how to do this job. Everybody just believe in the fast track of making money. Everybody believe uh, my own phone is going to come. If you drive a Toyota Camry car, a boy that you that wants to come around and tell you, oh, go and sit down. See, don't worry, by this time two months time, me too, I want to buy my own, uh, I buy my own, uh, what do you call it, Mercedes. I want to buy my own Benz. So the truth is, are there opportunities? Yes. Are we seeing them? Yes. But how can we harness this opportunity? Okay, I'll give you a quick example. Like, um, there was a program that was organized by GIZ um, for returnees, basically. It was supposed to be for returnees. For them to even travel, to say, okay, let me go and look for Guna Pasha over there. It means that they want something better for their life. They want to live a better life. But you see that when they when, when they come back and they want to, you know, be reintegrated with these kind of opportunities, at the end of the day, you find out that other people who did not even travel, who do not even face this trauma, are the ones getting the opportunity. So let me break it down. Opportunities that we have now are limited, and people don't want to make good use of it. You see somebody who is a returnee wants to learn tailoring, that same person wants to learn catering. That same person wants to learn hairstylist. That same person wants to learn things production. At the end of the day, the person will not do anything with it. Uh, one road, one road, no, one road, no enter markets now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the same person will tell you that there's no opportunity in Nigeria. But the truth of the matter is, if we take a good statistics of people who have succeeded in the past, the big dangotes, the big hotel dollars. The, they have been doing one thing for a period of time consistently. They are working on it, you know, making judicious use of their time to make them experts in that field. But you cannot just do jack of all trade at the end of the day, master of no, you do not have any, you know, skill. So that is the problem that we, that I think that Nigerians have. So, and I think what they should do is get a skill, ask questions about that skill. Thank God for Google. Do some research. What do I want to be in life? How do I want to be it in life? Who are the people that is going to lead me to be there? After you've gotten that answer for yourself, then you start, you put yourself in that check. Okay, in the next two, three, four years, this is what I want to achieve. You, if you can set that goal as a Nigerian youth or as a Nigerian citizen, I tell you, between now and the nearest future, you see your son smiling. Look at Toby now. When Toby came back, it was nothing. When Chilean came back, there was nothing. Even me myself talking to you, when I came back, there was nothing. Um, I believe Dr. Ama can testify. When we when when uh, the first year that we that she we met her, we are not looking as beautiful and handsome like this. We are like, you know, but consistently I just you know us to be in this top notch and i just encourage all nigerian youth see look for something to do giz is there lagos state government is there if you cannot connect to these people in your own local in your own local government go to the government go to you there's youth and employment um, um uh, what do you call department in the local government ask them federal ministry of employment and labor is there what can i these things are there 
thank God for Chilean, thank God for myself and we are sharing these things to these youth every day how to be how to be successful in your daily activities what to do you want to learn this kind of skill so if you can get something doing it's better for you because Nigeria is now waiting for those who have it before we are we are we are evolving every day so you too need to find something to do so that by the time you check at your calendar when you started you cannot say okay oh for the past three years for the past two years for the past five years i have been successful you too will have a good success story to tell so that Absolutely. is my advice thank you jerry chilean i'm so inspired by your story i don't know if i have told you this before you know because you mentioned that even before you left nigeria you were doing quite a number of things to fend for yourself and your baby including farming you know and I'm also very inspired that now you're done with school and you're doing quite a number of things to keep body and soul together. And just like Jerry said, you know, it's just a matter of time. Everything is going to hustle go pay, yeah? That's how they say it on the street. But talk to us about, you know, you mentioned earlier that there is this, you know, there's this loose and inaccurate perception about ladies who are victims of irregular migration and it's not even limited to people who are victims in places like libya here once you're a single mother you know people just believe that you can't you know you can't succeed without you know following men or doing stuff like that what has inspired you to do the things you do and what would be your advice to every other young lady who finds themselves in your shoes and who need a way out okay so um i'll start by saying the first thing is what do you want to do know what to want for yourself first i didn't just um get the direction when i came back because i was confused about where to start from and all of that but then being able to know what I want was the first um, advice I got from um, an IOM staff. So the thing is, most people don't know what they want. Just like Jerry mentioned, there are a lot of people who have come to my organization to learn a lot of things. At the end of the day, they are learning every, almost everything, but they are not holding on to anything because the first thing, they don't know what they want. I have to design for myself a vision board. This helps. I I just want to keep that in. Look out for that kind of a woman you want to become. What kind of a woman do you want to be? Nigeria is a great place. Nigeria is a great nation. I know that people are complaining of insecurities. Of course, we are seeing it. But it can't be as bad as it was from where we came back from. I saw people die. Like, and if you know what you want, nobody can deceive you. Nobody can just come and say, um, if you don't go abroad, you will work in Nigeria. At least, we are not working here. So you should at least speak for what do you want as a woman? What do you want? It doesn't even, it doesn't have to be something really um, very huge. But then look out for the kind of person you want to be, what kind of business you want to do. And that would help you, um, that would guide you on where to actually get that kind of a thing that you want to work. I remember that the moment I had a clearer idea of what I wanted to do, 
I talked to someone from TIZ and then he started telling me, don't go for any of the um, stage training again. Don't go for any of the stage training. Just focus on your academics. And I think that idea helped me to go back to school and get my results. So you just need to know, yes, this is actually who I want to be and this is what I want to do. And then you decide that you get help on how to go about it. Also, I want to shoot this in. I know that there are a lot of NGOs who are doing a lot of things, but I think so many Nigerians don't know. That's another thing. So many, okay, let's say um, yesterday I met um, someone from an NGO when I went to, uh, for a street um, review for TSA. And so um, we were reviewing the kids, I shared my story, and the lady came to me. She, she asked me, Do you know about this, this very good opportunity? So when she showed me the stuff, I looked at it. It's not out there for everyone to see. So I think NGOs should also have this in mind. And it's a women focused thing, it's a uh, lady focused focus, um, opportunity. So I think some of these NGOs can actually help young people to realize that there are opportunities out there. You can't sit in your office and expect people to start working in. They can't just come to your office and start asking you get an opportunity. When you have these opportunities, you can make them. Look for avenues to give them out so that these guys can know about it. If, um, if one, I don't know how I'm going to put it, there is this idea they have that people don't want to work. I don't agree with you. Because I have quite a number of people who I know want to work. The only thing is that they they really not seen the opportunity. I told a friend of mine, she was taking pictures and the pictures were quite good. I said, ah, here is where these same people of photography. Don't you think you can actually do this? She has never heard. So you see, if I did tell her, she wouldn't have known. And then, um, that means the information is limited. We also need to help them with that. So um, while, while they, they have a clear picture of what they want to do, the organization should also help disseminate information that can help. We are not waiting for the Nigerian government to do anything because I'm not seeing them do anything. But then NGOs can actually do things. NGOs are uh, like, will I say, um, the bridge between the people and the government, the way I see it, because they are doing even much more work than the government is. I'm not, I'm not um, fighting the government, but I'm just being honest. So the, the NGOs should just bring it out. Let these young people see it. There are some secondary school children. I think um, sometimes when I discuss with them and they tell me, I like making shoes. I'm like, okay, if you like making shoes, have you talked to your mom or your dad about it? So what do parents also encourage their children to do? Some of these children want to learn skills. Do you encourage them to learn those skills? Or do you just um, allow them to sit around? It, it's not getting any better. So you have to encourage young people around you to learn something. Hold on to something because by the time things get worse, what are you going to hold on to? I think um, if people start pushing out the information and start encouraging people to um, grab them, things get better. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, Julian. Identify what you want to do and um, you can take it home from there. Uh, Toby, so I saw a video recently, a Nigerian made a video in Dubai, hundreds of people out to interview for a security job. Uh, you know, the guy was saying, ah, there's no job here on like what you guys think. There's no job. See, we plenty for here under the sun. 
even Dubai citizens, you know, you know, there's this perception that it is really, really green out there. But beyond just getting opportunities, I like the fact that you mentioned that when you returned to Nigeria, you took some courses, you got yourself prepared, and you know, right now you are a travel consultant. Talk to us about that period of preparation because people just jump on traveling opportunity without identifying whether they are prepared for the opportunities. When you go, when you leave Nigeria for other countries, for instance, you need to identify if you fit in. Are you going for education? Do you have the skill set that is needed in that country? And how do you excel in your chosen field or career? Talk to us about the choices you made in this light and what other young people can learn from your experience. All right, thank you, Nifemi. Um, permit me to say this. I would like to say this before I answer your question. When I came back from Libya 2018, so I, uh, Ohio State governor, government came to pick us from Port Harcourt because I came through Nigeria, Nigeria government. Then we were just being extracted. Um, they are just trying to extract us from each state. So I came to my state, Ohio State. And after three days, um, it was during the weekend, we tried to meet the governor on Monday. So unfortunately, the governor was not around. So we met the vice governor. And after the whole thing, they gave us 10K. And I, I said to the uh, vice governor, I said, sir, I have HND in accountancy. Can you please help me for a job? At least I have certificate, you can help me. He said, I should go and do farming. I was like, okay, you want me to, you want me to do farming, how do I start? Will I just go to your bush and start cutting cutlass? So that, that was the end. I said this because our government needs has a lot to do. That's the honest truth. Our government has a lot to do. That's the honest truth. Take it or you leave it. The state of the country wants want people to travel out. I have hundreds of people that comes to me. They want to travel, but they don't know what they want to do. They just want to leave this country. Thousands, hundreds of people. <laughs> you see people, they say they want to travel. They only have international passport. They don't have any other documents. And there are documents that have been listed by each embassy for you to have before you can even talk of travel. If you don't have those documents, you cannot talk of traveling. Documents like financial, bank, your bank statement, your employment details. If you are going there for hotel, your hotel store, if you are going there for visiting, the invitation letter and stuff like that. Even people that, even among our returnees that came back, that know that I'm doing these things, they still come back to me and they want to travel out. Why? Because of the state of our country. Some peoples are ready to go through fire for them to leave this country because they know what they are even passing through right now. It's not something to, it's not, it's not something they want. Last weekend, I was fixing my car in the mechanic workshop and a lady does, a lady was selling something and she came to her she was like, I should please give her money to eat. If I don't want to buy this thing, I should just give her money to eat. Back to your questions. I think I've said something similar to it. People want to travel out. Most people, and they don't, have, they don't know the reason why they want to travel. We have these rich people, children abroad that are schooling. It is very easier for them because they have 
parents who are financially okay. I will have people that they want to travel and they don't have they, they don't they don't have the reason. So how do I so how I come to in this case? If, if I have see people that come to me, they say they want to travel out and they just want to leave this country, I will ask them, what do you want to do? Do you have people in abroad? If you say no, if you say yes, yeah, then I will know how to handle such cases. Some people I, I don't advise them, okay, this money you want to spend. Try and use it for something else. Of course, but I want to make money. See, maybe it's where you come to, you want to travel. That is where I will see my own um uh, my own profit. I do collect service charge by client, service charge. That's that, that's what I call it. I'm I'm not I'm not um, a travel consultant that will ask you to bring five hundred thousand when we start comes to you. I don't do that. I collect my service charge if, I, if at all I want to handle your application. So I think government needs to do a lot, it has a lot to do. I did a video something and I posted it on Facebook. I run an NGO, giving the Select Foundation. What, what makes me to, to start this thing is because I want to, I want to assist the government. The NGOs are trying. People like us are trying. But the truth is we cannot do like government. Government has the power. They are the ones that controls the economy. Not the NGOs, not people like me. Absolutely. So they have a lot to do. So if there's there, there's nothing wrong with our country, nothing wrong with Nigeria. That's the truth. Nothing wrong with this country. But there are people that 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 they have that that there are things to do that have not done it. Maybe they are doing it, but they're not doing it right, or they are, or they are not even they have not done enough. I mean, I mean our leader. Let's be realistic. Our government, this current, our government need to be friendly with us. There are some things they need to implement. If they cannot do it, you know, I did a video last time, I put it on Facebook. I think it is high time government needs to empower the NGOs. Like Life Abundantly and Co, like giving the Silly Foundation, like Megan Voice, like female returnees, Nigeria. If they empower uh, uh, this kind of uh, organization and people, we we the NGO will be able we have uh, the, 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 they will also reach out to the people. So my last word is that let us please talk to our governments to please do enough because people that came back from people that came back from Libya, even when I went mm. power step, because of the economic challenges, they still lost what I must be given to them. Not because they are not good, not because uh, they don't know how to sell, but because the economic factor is not encouraged even the businesses. Government I understand needs to your put some things in places. So indeed, indeed, indeed. Good place to leave it because we have to go. Thank you so much for your contribution. Let's take this home, Dr. Ama. Um, what are your parting remarks? as we get um, this particular conversation. What is evident from this conversation is that the rehabilitation and the reintegration has worked for these individuals, primarily because they have taken control of their lives. They want more for themselves. And for that reason, they've taken the resources that have been provided to them 
either by um, GIS or IOM or NGOs into consideration, giving themselves and set some goals and be focused on creating a future for themselves. I've listened to everything that they've said um, in the last few minutes. And yes, the economy is playing a great role in the 50% of people who wish to leave Nigeria or 50% of the youth, to be more specific. It's always the economy, it's always insecurity. Much of that, the general public does not have control over. But all of us are in control of the economy of this country. It's not the government that controls the economy. It is all the stakeholders from private companies to the government, to individuals, they play a role in the economy of this country. And we know that the informal sector of this country has great power because the average person is surviving an informal economy. Now, we also have those who are sending money into Nigeria that are infusing Nigeria with money as well. So it sort of gives it some buoyancy. But the most important thing is that we have to be committed to ourselves as individuals and through that commitment to ourselves as individuals then we can be committed to the community and so i applaud these three young people for um, taking their rehabilitation and their reintegration seriously we've got young people who are sharing with us success stories from Chilean getting her degree and, and being a single mom to Toby, who now has a business and is thriving and happy with his work, to Jerry, who has multiple businesses that he's doing, but they're, they're empowered and they're trying to empower others. And that's what we must all do um, as stakeholders in this community, to empower ourselves and others, to recognize that there are opportunities here that we have to find and to speak up about the situation that we have, particularly for the returnees. If I can say to the returnees that have come back that are still not out there doing the work that is necessary to better their lives, you need to speak up, you need to come out, you need to let the organizations that are in place know that you need their services, you need their support so that you can have a better life. The future is yours and you must grab it and use it to your best possibility. I thank you all and I hope that you all continue to thrive. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Amma, for continually providing a platform to have these conversations. A big thank you to Jerry Adelu for sharing a story. Chilean Azu, good to see you. Toby wrong. thank you so much guys for lady and guys for talking to us. <laughs> I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Ma. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, All right. Thank you. So, so don't forget yeah. that you can put faces to the voices. Um, this edition is going to be on YouTube. You leave abundantly with an exclamation uh, mark. And then uh, you can also listen to the podcast in the Anchor FM. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. I am Lee Femio. We'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to Thinking Reimagined. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast 
and welcome your comments, insights, and learnings as we strive to transform our global society. A change in mindset, engagement, collaboration, dialogue, awareness, and education. Thinking reimagined, changing the mindset for a better global society.